Welcome to the Prism of Torah podcast archive with your host, Rabbi Saf Aaron Prisman. This podcast features a Devatara called True Peace on Pasha's Kairach. Shalom to everyone. In this week's Parsha, Parsha's Koch of Nechutzat, we all know the famous episode when Kairach tries to go against Moshe and Aaron to try to take the Kuna for himself. And it says, it starts off saying, Vaikach Koach, Koach took himself. And Chazal tell us that he was arguing, and it was a machlokis, Shalolishem Shemaim, which means it was strife, not for the sake of heaven. Meaning the, the Mishnah Pirkei Avis uses this as an expression as of the epitome of a machlokis, Shalolishem Shemaim, as opposed to the argument between Shammai and Hillel, which is a machloikis l'shem shamayim, for the sake of heaven. So I want to try to understand exactly what is this idea of shelo l'shem shamayim, a machloikis shelo l'shem shamayim, i.e. strife that is not, a machloikis strife that is not for the sake of heaven. So to really properly understand this whole idea of machloikis and strife, I think first we have to find out and understand what the opposite of that. We all know that the opposite of that is shalom, peace. But what is peace? So in order to figure out what peace is, we have to look in the Torah, HaKadosh, and find where we see peace. We see that a lot of times peace is the interaction in harmony of opposites, such as fire and water, as we saw in that Hashem made peace between the fire and the water when in the plague of hail, Makat Barad. And so too, in a way, an argument for the sake of heaven is an argument for the purpose of that we have the same goal. We're working in a type of harmony, even though each one thinks differently, to try to get to the truth, which is the epitome of Shalom. Where do we see in the Chumash also Shalom? Well, it seems like the Kohanim represent Shalom. Why? Because they're the Avadim, the servants of HaKadosh Buhu, in the place that's referenced as Shalom, which is the Beis HaMikdash. It's interesting to see that the Dafka, these holy people, the Kohanim, the way they served Hashem, were when aggressive measure, measures were required, they actually performed them. At to the extent of killing their relatives, who we know did major, major sins in the Golden Calf. Same we see, Shalom, is in the Parsha with Pinchas. When Pinchas as a result of his heroic act, which was very, very aggressive, he killed people that did a bit, very big sin. And as a result of that, it says, in our terminology, he won the Nobel Prize of Peace from HaKadosh Bochul. And as a result, he got exactly what we're discussing here. He got to be part of the Kahuna. Before that, he was not. He didn't make it to be, be a Kohen. But he made it in to become a Kohen. So I think we see an underlying mutual idea over here that shalom is, a, is to try to achieve perfection through harmony of different people in the world. However, there's a very important prerequisite which is as long as evil is out of the way and that may require aggressive measures. But even those aggressive measures to take away evil are considered shalom which is may not be how many people are, think, but that's the truth. You see that in the Torah, that shalom requires to uproot the evil. And if you don't believe me, you can look in Yeshayahu, where Hashem says specifically the following. 
concerning the wicked, he says, true shalom is conditional on destroying evil over there. Another idea that supports this is we all know that David HaMelech wanted to build the base of Mikdash, but he was told by the Navi, by the Prophet, that he could not do so. Why? Because his hands, because because the base of Mikdash represents the house of peace, of Shalom, and his hands were covered with blood of battle. Which So we're all used to thinking he was did aggressive measures, so it's not Matim that he will build the base, base of Mikdash. However, his son, Shlomo Amelech, was able to build it because he didn't have any wars, he didn't have blood on his hands. However, at the same time, perhaps not as many people know, that Hashem told David HaMelech that the reason he could not build the base of Mikdash because if he were to build it, it would for sure have to be for eternal and Hashem, in a way, would not reserve the right for himself to ruin the base of Mikdash, to destroy the base of Mikdash, which he, he knew in the future he will have to do to vent his anger, HaKadosh Bohu's anger, on wooden stones instead of the people when they sinned, which they did, as is brought down in Eicha Rabbah. So you see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu needed it to be that Shlomo HaMelech built the base of Mikdash. Why? Because obviously he was on a lower level of peace than David HaMelech. Why? Because Shlomo HaMelech, although he had peace in his time, but he didn't have to use any aggressive measures to retain it. So that's a lower level of peace. But when one is willing and shows that he's able to do aggressive measures when, re- when is required to uphold the level of peace, that's a higher level. And that's why if David HaMelech would build the base of Mikdash, Lichoyer Hashem wouldn't be wouldn't reserve the right for himself to to destroy the base of Mikdash, but Hashem wanted that right, and therefore he ensured he has that right, and therefore he only was willing for Shlomo Hamelech to build it. So to summarize this Nakuda, Shalom requires aggressive measures to uproot the evil, and only David Hamelech was able to reach such a level, or was required to reach such a level. This would ensure the preservation of harmony through these aggressive means. And this harmony needs to be retained in order to reach perfection and harmony, because as the Jewish people says the Chafetz Chaim, are like an army, which can only be successful if every, every division does what they need to do, and we all go for a common goal. As we know today, there are a variety of different approaches to the Torah, but they all have one thing in common. They're all in a circle of going through the goal of observing the 613 mitzvahs, and they're all faithful to the Torah Shebichtav and Torah Shebaalte. And indeed, whoever is not in this circle, then we have to try to help them become into this circle through, through rebuke, through tochacha, which is very important, because that's also an aggressive measure of getting people to be in harmony, which is a very, very big mitzvah, which is not easy to do today, because as Chazal teaches us, and that Tuchacha must be the result of love and concern for the one that you were rebuking. And that's why you have to ensure that you have good friends that really care about your Oilam Abad. They don't just tell you things you want to hear, but they tell you things that show that they care for your eternal future, i.e. Oilam Haba. The Gemara says that one who sees a kettle, river, or bird in a dream should expect to find Shalom. And it's very interesting that what are these three things represent? So it seems like they're exactly the antidote for the three factors that prevent the achievement of perf- perfection. And what are they? Perfection, I mean in harmony and shalom. Where are they? Jealousy, lust, and haughtiness. And let's see how, because those three, they all create a barrier from having harmonious peace. Let's see how. So the pot represents the, op- the opposite of someone that's full of lust. Why? The pot unites the power of fire and water 
to cook food for our sustenance, yet it itself gains nothing. In fact, it just gets burnt itself on, on the bottom of the pot. The lustful individual, though, by contrast, does the opposite. All he cares is, he cares about himself. Self-gratification. What is in it for me? And the pot is exactly the opposite of that. The same we see with the antidote of jealousy. Jealousy is, I want more. I want to go to what Yenem has. Whatever he has, I want. The river is the opposite. Why? Because the river is so beautiful and useful when we see it stays within its boundaries. And yet it's so destructive if it overflows. Shalom also requires each person to recognize his place in the harmony. And the last of the three, what's the opposite of haughtiness? So that we can learn from the bird. The bird is flexible and light and is always ready to make room for another, for another bird to, to come to there. This is exactly what Korach did not do. Korach, it says, Vayikach Korach. Chazal teaches, where's Vayikach? He took. He took himself out of being part of the harmony of everyone else. And he wanted to be in charge. Because he wanted, he got the whole, the covet, the honor thing, got to him. The jealousy thing got to him. He wanted to be in charge. He wanted his family to be in charge. Which is exactly the opposite of something Reb Zusha says. Reb Zusha says, someone asked him, would you want would you want to change places with Avraham Avinu that he'll become you and you'll become Avraham Avinu? And what did Abzusha answer? There's no point because would it be for better for Akadish Bukhu? It's, it's the same game. Akadish Bukhu has someone that's Abzusha and someone that's Avraham Avinu. That's because Abzusha understood that it, we're all part of harmony. We're all one unit, and that's what's important. I just like to end off with this idea that, of course, as a prerequisite and maybe even as a result of reaching harmony of all are all the Jewish individuals together, of course a person first has to work on within himself, himself, his family, but first, himself, he has to become a better person and get rid of these negative traits that we discussed, haughtiness and uh, jealousy, etc. And once he does that, as a ripple effect, you're already at a very good starting point to work together with everyone and reach the harmony of peace. As we know, the last Mishnah in Shas, in Uktsin, says that's the biggest bracha that we can have, to have peace. So I'd like to end with a little mashal that was brought down to me by Rav Zev Lef. I think it's beautiful. And I think you'll understand what we can learn from it. There was once a person that was reading a newspaper. The father was reading a newspaper and, they, and his seven-year-old kid kept bothering him and he couldn't take it anymore. So he took one piece of the newspaper that had a huge picture of the world and he ripped it into sh- many pieces and he gave it to the kid and he says, don't come back until you're able to put this puzzle together. He thought it would, taking him, it would take him a bunch of hours. After six minutes, the kid comes back and says, here, I did it. The father was astounded. He couldn't believe it. He was dumbstruck. How can it be that you did it so fast? So the, the kid answered him. It was very easy. On one side of that paper was the world, but on the other side was just a picture of one person. I put that picture together, and automatically the world fit like a puzzle on its own on the other side. I think the nimshal is obvious. If we work on ourselves, the Jewish people in the world will become a better place. Yiratzon, that will learn from Koyrach, not to take ourselves away from the klal, from everyone together, but rather the opposite, work together in harmony, to reach a Kiddush Hashem and get closer to HaKadosh Buhu, which Emil Hashem will lead us the call of Be'aminu to be at Goel Tzedek. Have a good Shabbos. Be sure to visit our website prismoftorah.com 
you can contact us from the website. Technical support for the Prism of Torah is done for free by Ellie Podcast Productions. Please share this podcast with your friends and family. It can make a difference to everyone. Production was done by Lunishmas Leah Basiona. <laughs>